episode 128 of Friends of Film, a podcast from the latest news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover Dumbo's trailer, first Wonder Woman 2 details, what Reeves is planning for Batman, and more after review Incredibles 2. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man who was in the recording studio much earlier than usual, Josh Straley. I don't mind it, actually. Kind of refreshing to be up at 9 a.m. <laughs> to tape the pod. It's a complete reversal from our usual schedule. It is. Instead of being fueled on McDonald's and Coke, I'm being fueled on just Did being you, awake. You ate, you ate breakfast, though, right? No. Nothing. No, I don't, I don't. I don't do breakfast. What? I had three eggs, coffee, and like maple sausage patties. Very I nutritious. even said I would bring breakfast. Yeah, I, I don't. I it's don't. The need most breakfast. important meal of the day. It's just, it's just who I am. Can't change it. <sighs> well, hey everyone. <laughs> like breakfast. Don't forget. You can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends and Film. And be sure to check out the rest of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you can, on iTunes, please rate and review us. It really helps. Yeah, and be sure to head over to our website, friendsoffilm.wordpress.com. Uh, you guys will see reviews from us on there written instead of the spoken version you guys hear on the pod, uh, including some bonus ones like I checked out Hot Summer Nights in the final night of the Hobnobbin Film Festival here mm. in Fort Wayne. Uh, and I thought... Uh, Timothy Chalamet was great. Yeah, as you called them, Chalamatics is now their official. Chalamaniacs. Chalamaniacs. That's what I was trying to get across. Maybe okay. I didn't pronounce it right. I don't remember. I was trying to remember what you what you <laughs> tweeted. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I guess you could call me a Chalamaniac or whatever whatever the official title is for a Chalamet fan. Oh uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. Maybe we'll have to check out the the blogs and see what we they will. what we'll they to, call we'll them. We'll have to check the Timothy Chalamet forums and yes. <laughs> everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, go check out that review. I don't think it it's not playing anywhere else currently because it was just like a festival thing, right? Doesn't um, go so it wide comes out till July, July end of July. Yeah. But definitely go check it out. It's really fun. A uh, little summer movie with uh, you know a lot of uh, interesting things mm-hmm. to go on in it and you guys would also have seen my incredibles 2 review yes which we're going to talk about here on the podcast this week and i mean this was this was a long wait for this 14 years in the making between Wild. incredibles and incredibles 2 and i think for me at least i can say that it was definitely worth the wait mm-hmm. uh as the headline Good. reads, it's an effortlessly entertaining sequel. Uh, and I stand by that. I think it, it really just picks, it, it literally picks right back up where the first movie ends. And I think that was a great decision. Cause you just jump right back in, especially for me, I saw it in a double header. So I saw the first Incredibles in IMAX mm-hmm. and then credits roll. And then it's like basically just starts right away. That's and awesome. you're back into Incredibles too. And it just picks right back up and it's, it's a, it's a blast and it's like a really seamless transition. And I think that's a testament to, I think why they kind of did the, did the story this way instead of being like, all right, well, we'll give them a time jump. I think it allowed for them to mm-hmm. kind of reverse engineer a lot of the first movie and do different uh, character arcs for a lot of them. I loved how they put Elastigirl in the front and center. Yeah. Holly Hunter uh, voicing the character again. She's great. And I really loved getting to see kind of her kind of enjoying life yeah (laughs) not that she didn't in the first movie but she's more just like worrying a lot about what was going on with bob in that first movie in this one she's put in front and center of bob odenkirk's character's initiative to get supers legalized again Mm -hmm. and she just like after her first day like she just like calls bob and she's freaking out because she's so happy and excited because it was just so much fun that was so sweet and i love just getting to see like 
her action, like her uh, the elastocycle, uh, with like, how it could separate. And <laughs> that I was, was like, so I was like, that, cool. that was so genius and inventive. Mm-hmm. I really love that. Um, but the MVP of the film is Jack Jack, yes. without question. I mean, hundred percent. He has seventeen powers, I believe, is what uh, Bob says mm-hmm. by the end of the movie. And every single one of them is greater than the last one. <laughs> yes. And they provide great moments of comic relief, but a, and also a bit of unpredictability for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a specific gag. I don't know if it's really a gag. It's a scene with a raccoon oh, that is just a plus. In- incredible. I could watch it on a loop <laughs> for like 20 hours probably and not get tired of it. It is it is amazing. I want a spinoff. I want a one-shot. I want a whatever mm-hmm. I have to do to get more Jack-Jack in that raccoon because it, it was just so funny. Um, but... I didn't really love Bob in this movie. Okay. Um, he was he was kind of annoying. He was like bitter that he's not front and center. Right. He was trying to adjust to life as the stay at home dad, basically. And he's not doing a very good job at it. And he's more just kind of like, this should be, this that should be me. I should be the one on TV. And it's like, right. Okay, Bob. Like, and I understand that could, that would definitely be hard for somebody to take a back seat and be in the shadow now. But at the same time, he was kind of that endearing father in the first movie and i was like oh i don't want to not really like you that much uh in this one i mean he eventually comes around to it right but i was more just like that first hour or so i was just like i don't i don't love what you're doing bob okay fair enough (laughs) fix yourself um but he was kind of like i mean he was edgy in the first too they yell and complain and stuff like that but but for, for whatever reason like i think I don't know if it's just because he was the focus of that first movie, and mm-hmm. so you're seeing it from his perspective more. Okay, that is just like, oh well, he's just like doing, he's like driving this hunger to be a super again, and then like this one, he's just like, I'm mad, and you're yeah. like, stop it, okay. <laughs> be okay. happy for your wife. Gosh dang it, um, I I I liked Dash and Violet, but I I thought we would have gotten more of them. Yeah, they were uh, they were, yeah. they were pretty sidelined until the third act, and I was pretty disappointed by that because. This is the Incredibles, mm-hmm. and I thought we would see the whole Incredible family together. And instead, it was like Elastigirl doing her thing, and then Bob and Jack Jack doing something, right? And like hanging out with Edna Mode for a little bit, which was hilarious. <laughs> but yes. it's just like Dash and Violet were really just kind of like involved from like a plot perspective. Be like, oh well, mm-hmm. Bob needs challenges to try to overcome as a stay-at-home dad, right. and so Dash doesn't get math, and he's gonna screw up Violet's boyfriend, and it's mm-hmm. just like okay. Like, not the best, but once they actually get involved and get actually use their powers and everything, it's like, yeah, this is this is what I wanted. Yeah. Um. Other than that, I mean, I think the only other thing I really have to say is I didn't love the villain. We can kind of get into that, I think, a little bit more in spoilers because there's a bit of a mystery mm-hmm. surrounding the character I don't want to get into. The screen slaver. Uh, screen slaver, exactly. But I think that it could have been executed a little bit better in terms of what they were actually going for and then ultimately sure. spoiler alert how they how they get defeated mm-hmm. uh i think it could have been executed <laughs> a little bit better so uh at the end of the day i will give this movie four ticket stubs out of five okay very worthy sequel josh what did you think yeah uh well i'll go ahead and say i loved it it's the sequel 14 years too late i mean in this day and age, which is like unheard of. Like yeah. You had a successful movie and you waited how long to do another one? Um, it's, I mean, more than Finding Dory or Cars 2 and 3 mm-hmm. and Planes and Trains and whatever <laughs> else they did there. Um, I'm so glad they revisited this because I just, I was, I don't think there was a moment 
in the theater, I wasn't grinning ear to ear because of just how, uh, not how dumb it was, but just, I mean, just how fun I remember the first being, mm-hmm. um, the first time around. Yeah. And this one felt that exact same way. It hits, it hits all of those beats. Um, Violet and Dash are just as, I mean, like angsty and fun. Like at the same time, I, I, just, I forgot how much Dash, um, made me laugh Mm -hmm. like his 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 um enthusiasm for everything like seared into my mind now is the scene of him arriving at the house (laughs) the first moment (laughs) and hearing um that laugh like just like this oh moments all over the movie and i'm like that is awesome so uh huck huck miller is that Mm -hmm. right yeah perfectly recreating what he was 14 years ago. Cause that's right. Yeah. Same yep. voice. Awesome. 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 Sarah Val, same thing. Violet, just as funny. And, um, like, like the playing up the mood thing again, like with the boyfriend mm. uh, through Bob, like mm, I didn't mind Bob at all. Okay. Like, I'm like, Oh, this is actually like a story. I mean, he doesn't want to be at home, mm-hmm. but he's dealing with it and he's figuring it out. And eventually he does. Yeah. Um, after he, Dumps Jack Jack off to end, uh, which is one of probably probably one of my favorite sequences of yeah. the movie outside of the yeah the raccoon attack, which uh perfect but yeah the story um is like you said reverse engineered from the first mm-hmm. um a little ways but it's also similar um kind of like the reasoning behind the villains I thought um but again I like the story as a whole. I think Brad Bird did a fantastic mm-hmm. job with that. Uh, and then, I mean, yeah, uh, another thing too, the mood of the movie, or not the mood, but the the layout, the scenes and everything like that felt more comic booky mm-hmm. this time around. And I thought that was super cool, especially like with the um, runaway train yeah. scene. I'm like, watching that, I'm like, well, this kind of, this looks like a comic book panel, mm-hmm. like every frame per frame. And then um, with her uh, night tax, like in the helicopters and things like that, I'm like, this is really yeah. good. This feels kind of pulpy and mm-hmm. fun. And you can see like a, a design, a distinct design language here versus the first time around mm-hmm. where it was just like, let's, you know, it's where we're at. Yeah. an attitude to it. So um, absolutely loved that part of it um and then yeah like you said mvp definitely jack jack it was a i was hoping frozo was in a little more but again yeah it's the incredibles not mm-hmm. the frozone which i kind of wish it wasn't maybe a little bit more <laughs> like a frozen spinoff would be awesome i guess um but yeah uh holly freaking hunter amazing in this movie um carries the first one mm-hmm incredibly well like it's almost like she's not acting in a pixar movie she's acting like in a real drama right with it with the things that she pulls off um vocally so i uh, just absolutely loved it i mean i wish she's like francis mcdormand without the academy awards does she have an academy award she doesn't have an academy award not that i can think she of. really needs one because just loved everything should have got one for big six absolutely um bob odenkirk's character fine yeah i think he was annoying me by the end but that okay. is what it is uh i loved his enthusiasm for most of it mm-hmm. but by the time we got to there i'm like yeah okay i'm okay if we never see you again <laughs> but uh, i had a fantastic time in it um i want to dive into spoilers uh, asap but i'm gonna give it four and a half out of five ticket stubs okay thoroughly uh, enjoyed everything and she actually let me double check this she does have one 
Uh, yes, she won an Oscar for Best Actress in Leading Role in The Piano. I have never seen it, but now I will go. And she's been nominated four times. So there we go. Holly Hunter, still, national treasure. Still feels like she needs more, though. Oh, yeah. Um, so moving to spoilers, Incredibles 2. Yes. Shoot. Screenslaver was a good villain. And the ideas behind them, because it's driven by, uh, shoot, I forgot her name. Catherine Keener. Yes, Catherine Keener, um, who's playing. The sister to Deaver, Winston Deaver. I don't know her first name in the movie. Me neither. Why can't I even find it? Evelyn. There we go. Evelyn. Um, And she is basically, they're, they're billionaire tech entrepreneurs. And she's the brains behind the company. Mm-hmm. And Bob Odenkirk's character um, is the marketing part of it. And she basically, I don't, it's, it's not totally clear what her intentions are yeah. with the screen slavers. It's just her method of controlling people. Yeah, which is where like I just kind of, it, it, I had like a disconnect, like f- especially coming straight off The Incredibles for mm-hmm. me. Like Syndrome, he's not a good guy, but like his plan at least makes sense to me. Like, you create a threat so you can be the hero. Yep. And then you can get rich off of it at the end of the day. All right. I can understand that. But her plot was just like, all right, I'm going to hypnotize people so I can bring help bring superheroes back so I can stop them from ever coming back. Yeah. That's the one part I'm like, okay. Didn't get that part. Because it all happened kind of too quickly. It too. happened it's very like, quickly. It felt like it had been 14 years for her to dream up that plan. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> versus, um, you know, getting it together like literally 20 minutes. Yeah, there's like the first 45 minutes to an hour where it's like, who is Screen Slaver? Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's her. Right. And then they're like, yeah, it is. And now everything's going to change. You're like, oh, okay, now we're, we're, we're going with yeah. this. Okay. Um, which I, I liked that aspect where at least they revealed it early enough on because I was like expecting it to be a oh who screens they have the whole rest mm-hmm. of the movie and I was like it's 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 clearly Catherine Keener's character right like she's got the tech she's mm-hmm. got the connections like come on it's super obvious yeah they didn't do a whole Scooby Doo unmask you know pull off the mask reveal <laughs> exactly that was that was appreciated um, but. The screen slavery has like this monologue mm-hmm. that you're not really hearing in the middle of the movie because you're watching Elastigirl just like um, pounce through the city, right. like epically, may I add. Um, and listening to it, it's basically just this like rant against modern society mm-hmm. in a way. But also, um, it's kind of like Brad. Look, it sounds like Brad Bird's viewpoint of a lot of yeah. things. It's his because uh, Brad Bird's a cynical writer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of like my take on at least the things that he's done so far. Um, and Brad Bird does, is kind of like Zack Snyder in a way in how they see heroes. Okay. Because I think Brad Bird is the villain in when he writes. And I appreciated him still inserting those ideas into the movie of, oh, don't wait for superheroes because Evelyn's beef with the supers is, People relied on them, and then when they were gone, they were helpless. Yeah. And she's like, I want my parents die because of it. Mm-hmm. And it was a like, very Batman-esque like, very, kind of way. So I was very. like, that's cool. Um, so then she's like, well, we don't need these people. We can do it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. And her idea is get rid of the supers so people don't rely on them because my brother is a child. He believes in fairy tales. Is yeah. kind of like her take on it. 
And that seems to be like what Brad was saying in the first movie too with his use of syndrome. Yeah. But he puts it as the villains. And I just think that's a great way to get your point across without tearing the rest of us down. Yeah. Because at the same time, people still save the day. And the Incredibles or family that like are dying to do good if you'll mm-hmm. let them. And I think that's a way better portrayal of the optimism that we all want to feel. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. Have ton. you, this isn't related to Incredibles too, more so the first one, mm-hmm. but have you seen the take that, uh, syndrome is basically the modern equivalent of online fans. Ooh. It, 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 it really holds up. If that's, you watch the movie, it's, it's pretty spot on. That's very cool. Um, and I, that's I, something like with Incredibles two with screen slaver. Yeah. I was kind of like, I, I kind of wanted them to go more into like that whole, like that we're slaves to screens things. Cause mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's, it's very clear. That's what they're going for, but they right. like, they, they just scratched the surface of it. And I right. was like, and they pivot. I, f- to, I feel like you could have gone a lot deeper instead of being like, for sure. All right, your screens, the slaves. And now we're going to take over people using goggles. I was like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Where did this come from? Exactly. So it's more like, Oh, it's just mind control now. Exactly. Like, okay. That's, so, you know, well, yeah, it, that whole part of it isn't good, but I do, it did like Ella, Evelyn and um, whatever his name's arc. Winston. Winston. Yes. Yeah. There we go. I love their arcs. Mm-hmm. Those, I thought those were perfect. Yeah. I don't really, I mean, the villain thing was the biggest thing to talk about. In For spoilers. sure. Um, is this, there a specific action comedy moment that st- stands out to you the most? Jack Jack's fancy boy walk at the mold's house yeah. um bob dumps him off because he's like i can't deal with this kid he's got too many powers and it's like i don't want to do it and then she sees his power she's like oh i'm all in mm-hmm. give me this kid she throws bob out of the house bob comes back one day later i think the next morning um yeah, after, after he sleeps for 17 hours yes so technically two days i guess most probably suppose. yeah all the way through to saturday morning mm-hmm. um and when he gets back there, Edna and Jack Jack are best friends, and there's this there's this hallway shot where Jack Jack's just licking a lollipop, and I'm like, "This is adorable. This is yeah. what I came here to see." But he's got his hand out like this, kind of like yeah, he's like walking Edna. fancy, and I was like, "That is fantastic." And then they get into the lab, and he like Jack Jack's now the key to getting into the place mm-hmm. through all Edna's security, and I was like, "Oh, that's so cute! Like that's yeah. how fast that bond formed." And then, I mean. I think you can just literally go line for line about how great Jack Jack's comedy beats are. Oh yeah. I mean, giant Jack Jack was (laughs) hilarious. Yeah. As was when Violet spit out the water. Oh my goodness. Just though. Yes. Like for for whatever reason, I've never laughed that hard at somebody like Mm -hmm. having water come out of their nose, but just like, the, the way they executed it, it was just, it was just perfect. <laughs> it was like turbo jets coming yeah. out. And then like everyone at the table reacts to it too. And yeah. Then, uh, and if you look in the background, like, cause I was just watching Jack, Jack, like right. 90% of the time you're like watching him, like look around at what's going on. And it's just some of the funniest stuff. Yeah. yeah Jack, Jack was the MVP for sure. Dash could be in the annoying younger brother. Like yeah. they took that to a 10. I'm, I'm charmed. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, Dash was great. The flame retardant. Uh, yeah. part of his suit where like, you know, mm-hmm. blow up like a fire extinguisher. Yeah. <laughs> You'd start eating it. Um, so oh, I mean, man. do you really have any other thing to talk about with Incredibles 2? I, I really don't. It would just okay. be the same as Sam. This was an incredibly cute and funny movie. So Incredibles 3. Yes. Yes. Like 
within five years, please. Now for the third one, because they've opened they've opened this up now, where mm-hmm. superheroes are legalized. Right. We have Void, voiced by Sophia Bush, plus mm-hmm. a bunch of other supers that are kind of populated throughout the movie. That are kind of the beginning of this movement. Um, do you want to see them have any larger roles? What would your pitch be for Incredibles three? Would Ooh. you put a time jump? Any of that kind of stuff? Oh man, have you even thought about this? I have not thought about this. All right, but, I, I have a little bit, okay. so I'll give you time. I'll awesome. vamp for a little bit while you Let's think. Let's hear it. Uh, I want like a five to seven year jump. Okay. So that way we can get teen versions of Dash and Violet, mm-hmm. which I think would be great. And you'd get a little bit older versions of Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible, plus like a child version of Jack-Jack who can like kind of control his powers, I mm-hmm. think, a little bit more, uh, which I think would be really fun. But I'd love to see them give Violet and Dash the leading roles because they did Mr. Incredible. This was the last girl's movie. And now give like the new kids on the block their time to shine and be like, this is how they've grown up in the superhero world. Yeah. Going all through high school and stuff and still trying to be a superhero on the part time and do like Spider-Man esque sort of stuff there. And like Mm -hmm. the challenges. And I think that'd be really fun. Um, and I'd love to see like Void. I thought she was really cool uh, in the movie. I thought her power oh, set, yeah. the way they used it, was awesome. Um, and there's like this relationship she wants to have with Elastigirl, like mm-hmm. this mentor mentee thing. And I was like, oh, I, I like that, but they barely touch on it. And I was like, I would have, I would love to see that explored a little bit more. Uh, and the third one, and kind of be like a youth movement for Incredibles three. Ooh. And then if they want to do Incredibles four, that can just be a Jack Jack solo movie. Yeah, for sure. Oh um, man. I still don't know because part of me is thinking, yeah, they moved past the superheroes have to be underground and like secretive. Mm-hmm. So that element is gone. Yeah, you'd have to basically go full blown super world yeah. and have a world destroying presence, I, mean, I would uh, think. Underminer is still out there. He is still out there. That's right. <laughs> I was surprised he escaped. That yeah. was like the thing that blew me away. I was like, oh, they didn't get the bad guy. I kind of forgot about it by the end of the movie, and then I saw somebody mention it. And I was like, "Oh yeah, he is out there." Which which plays well because I mean they're like they still have to screw up because yeah. if they caught him. It's like it's kind of like ulti. It's uh, ultimately anticlimactic to that yeah. first ending. So I was like, "Well, yeah, they can't. If they save the day, then there's no more plot here." <laughs> exactly. I, I I guess I don't have a pitch yet. Okay, but. I want to see a third one. And uh, if you have a pitch, you can come back and pitch to the pod. So uh, that's all we have for our thoughts on Incredibles 2. Obviously, we both recommend it highly. Go see it, especially if you're a fan of the first one. Oh, what about Bao? Oh, What did you think? Yes, we need to talk about Bao. Okay. Because that is possibly the most horrifying Pixar short, or maybe anything I've ever seen before. Really? She ate the dumpling. (laughs) <laughs> yes it, and it was shocking and a, a few people laughed okay so that was the weird thing in my theater 95 percent of people were laughing and i was just sitting there with my jaw dropped on the floor like oh, oh she just ate this like little child basically <laughs> yes I was like what is happening um, especially when the ultimate reveal like the dumpling is a stand-in for actual son it's like mm-hmm. that's what you wanted to do when your son wanted to leave you just wanted to eat him i was like well, what's going on i think the, i think the, i didn't i wasn't like horrified like i kind of like oh what why did she do that type of a thing and then it becomes clear like the metaphor and i was like yeah. oh she didn't want to lose him yeah. so she did something terrible and like 
cut off, like ended everything with she him. Killed him. <laughs> yeah, kinda. I mean, she ate him. <laughs> well, um, metaphorically. Yeah, it's all a metaphor. But uh, I thought it was cute all the way through. And then that ending, yeah, that the ending is a little bit jarring. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's cute. It's, it's I mean, it's well animated. You got to think. Real um, quick. But I was just like that. The second, like, I was like, wait, why is this dumpling talking and moving all of a sudden? Okay, this mm-hmm. is weird. And then when they revealed when they when she ate him, I was like, and then everybody else around me was just laughing. And I was just like, I don't, I don't think I'm supposed to be laughing at this. So I'm I'm not, and I I'm just like processing everything that happened. It was certainly one of the the more. Like we're not gonna go full blown cute on you, type yeah. things. I mean, they they actually did go full blown cute, but at the end they're like, "Oh, here's something. Yeah, let's see what happens." And then it's like, "You'll either get this or not." Yeah. Um. I, I I like I giggled and then I'm like, "Okay, we'll see here." Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was definitely surprising. Yes, I didn't it see was it coming. Um. So yeah, that's a thought on Bow, the short in front of uh Incredibles two, as well as our spoiler and spoiler free thoughts on Incredibles two. Go check it out this weekend or. Er, this week and next weekend whatever if you haven't already and uh then just stick around we'll be right back in a bit with the news and we're back with the news and as always we'll start with ticket or skip it this week we only have two trailers to discuss and basically the premise of ticket or skip it if you are new to the show we watch a trailer and based on the trailer alone we decide whether we would buy a ticket for this movie or skip it entirely the first one we have is the live action remake from disney of dumbo directed by tim burton starring colin farrell eva green michael Mm -hmm. keaton danny devito and a cute little cgi elephant josh is this a ticket? Oh, it's a total ticket. Um, Michael Keaton, a cute little Dumbo with these wide eyes. Uh, he looks so, so real, mm-hmm. too. Um, I, I bought it instantly, uh, and I will definitely be there opening weekend, maybe even like Thursday night for this thing. Uh, okay. I am. I was I was 100% sold. Um, Danny DeVito, I, I love the stuff that dude does. Mm-hmm. Always Sunny in Philadelphia is great. And I'm so glad to see him in something like a, a bigger picture again. Right. Not wearing tons of prosthetics, flippers, and a top hat. <laughs> yes. So I, especially as like the ringmaster or, you know, a mm-hmm. circus goer. I think that's crazy great for him. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Colin Farrell, I think he'll be the, he's the only wild card for me because, you know, some of his, his, his roles are hit or miss. He's His performances are his, hit or miss. For me okay so depending i think he's probably the villain that's um i'm not or michael not keaton. sure about that i feel like it's either devito or keaton okay It'll i'm pretty sure it's keaton well well then farrell yeah. and eva green are like the husband and wife that like hmm. uh take dumbo under their wing or whatever i'm pretty sure but uh i would also give this a ticket okay great i think it looks super sweet um just kind of endearing heartwarming they look like it looks like a different turn for Tim Burton after doing uh, crazy things, but that are also a little more darker. This one has a little more uh, pep in its step, I guess. Yeah, joy. And, yeah, like joy, and like it has cool visuals. It looks like they're not shying away from uh, musical elements too, which I think is cool. And they're even like doing that that trippy 
dream sequence or whatever with like the purple elephants in the sky it looks like so uh it looks like they're doing justice to the first movie i'm gonna have to rewatch again because it's been 10 or 15 years probably since i've watched the first dumbo so uh gotta go refresh my memory on this one i guess before next year when it comes out in like march i believe end of march um so i'll have to stay on the lookout for that one as well as the next movie from room director lenny abramson the little stranger which got its first trailer this week and based on the trailer i'm gonna say skip it because i'm just not really sure what this movie is is it a thriller is it a horror is it a drama um what is actually going on here like yeah it has donald gleason and i'm a big Mm -hmm. fan of his but i just don't there was nothing in the trailer that grabbed me will i ultimately see this movie probably because i loved room and i think abramson is a pretty talented director so i want to see what he's going to do next but I, i need more than this trailer to kind of really pull me in Right, yeah. I mean, uh, Focus Features doesn't have, like, the uh, most incredible track record. No, kind of hit or miss. But Domo Gleason is great in almost everything. I don't think I've seen a bad performance from him. Even his random cameo in Mother was like, no, stay, come back, please. <laughs> I did not see Peter Rabbit, so I don't know how good he was in that movie. Oh, that's right. He, He's it, the it, owner. It, it, it didn't look good. <laughs> no, it did not look good. Um so, I mean, okay, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that on hold until I see that. Uh, but, I mean, it's got Will Poulter, Ruth Wilson, and Don Mugleson. Uh I am extremely interested in that part mm-hmm. of it. So, I'm going to say ticket. Okay. I'm writing a horror high right now after yeah. Hereditary, which is so good. So, I'm, I'm willing to see anything at this point because... <laughs> Uh, I was pleasantly surprised last weekend. So perhaps this is the exact same thing. Okay. So then moving on to the news, we have an update on Matt Reeves's The Batman. As THR reported that Matt Reeves turned in the first act of his new screenplay for The Batman a few weeks ago. And that it focuses on, quote, a young caped crusader, end quote. Multiple other outlets have since confirmed that this is what they've been told too. So... Instead of he who should he who shall not be named right appearing in this movie, it appears it will be a different actor, not Jake Gyllenhaal, I would assume, because he looks like he's going to be in Spider and Homecoming too. Um, so we're going to need a twenty-something probably Batman for Matt Reeves's movie, first mm. in the trilogy, probably. Is this the right move? Yes, because Batman Year One is a great comic run, and I don't know if it'd be based on that, mm-hmm. but I like the idea of immersing a Batman into like just getting to know everything. Yeah. And that gives Reeves like incredible amounts of freedom, especially if you want to exist in the DC comic book world, Mm -hmm. because then you can introduce villains. You can already have pre-established villains. You can do whatever you want and you can explore, you know, you can basically fully develop your Batman. And put him anywhere. Yeah. Really. Um, I don't know what it means for the rest of DC outside of Reeves' trilogy, mm-hmm. but I think this approach is great. Like a thousand percent here for it. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about more DC stuff because it's DC heavy news week, but uh, I think it just further shows that DC's trying to kind of spread these things apart best they can. Mm-hmm. So it's not as MCU driven every movie's kind of following the other it's more like all right wonder woman is 
in the 40s and then she's in the 80s and maybe in the sequel she'll be in present day. Yeah. But they probably wouldn't. I mean, I would assume they would just, because mm-hmm. they're kind of ditching the whole, she was gone for hundreds of years. It's like, no, she's right. clearly still active, um, which I'm totally fine with. And as far as Reeves' Batman is concerned, I, I don't know if I necessarily need another Batman origin mm-hmm. story. Seen that a couple of times. Yep. But seeing the younger version of him, I think, could be interesting. Um, I think it obviously depends on who they ultimately get to play a younger version. Because you don't have to just play a younger version of Batman. You have to play a younger version of a Batman that fits with the Batman we've seen in the last two movies that That's Batman's right. been in. Or I guess three if you count Suicide Squad. So you got there's a difficult balance you have to strike there. Um I think it ultimately should give them an ability to give some more depth to a lot of these characters. Like you could bring in the Joker for the second movie or the third movie or whatever. Probably not second because that's just obvious Dark Knight comparisons. Mm-hmm. But they can do. They can. There's talks of them doing Penguin for the first movie. That'd be cool. Um, and then you can kind of do some other villains who maybe if they've already appeared in DC movies already or you could introduce new ones and they can pop up again in the future like you could do Joe Manganiello but a little bit younger version of him or something yeah. um, I think there's a lot of cool possibilities and the ability to not have to worry about alright well, we're doing this movie but uh, well Man of Steel 2 which we just greenlit all of a sudden uh, you know Brainiac just destroyed half of the world so you gotta put that you, in you gotta mention that and right. it's like well we don't want to so like setting it in like if it, I would say it's probably going to be like between 10 and 20 years mm-hmm. before the events of Batman v Superman set in the late nineties, early two thousands yeah, gives them free reign over continuity. For sure. Um, I mean, I guess technically Clark Kent would be out there somewhere, but he's not Superman yet. So right. you can just kind of do your own thing. And then eventually as this younger version or whoever's casting this younger version of Batman ages up, then you can, cleverly just kind of swoop them into the present day stuff you really need to mm-hmm. if the other guy <laughs> doesn't continue on in that iteration i guess yeah for sure or just throw continuity to the wind yeah because i would rather i would i would so take three tim burton-esque Batman movies. I don't know what Reeves' approach would be because you want to marry comic book and grounded he universe. Apparently, wants like a noir style, yeah, detective driven Batman. So That's that, what he's always been talking about. With a more of a Tim Burton background that we got to see in Justice League, like that style of Gotham, more gothic, more gothic oh, okay, Gotham. Okay. With that, maybe not Tim Burton. Tim yeah. Burton's is more. I was thinking. Zany. I'm thinking, yeah, zany Tim Burton. I was like, I don't, I don't want to see that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, much more gothic Batman with yeah. that noir attitude to it. Uh, that would be super cool, especially if there's dark, grizzled voiceover and you know some like I don't know. I, I think Reeves could do a great job. Yeah, uh, who they get to cast, who they cast would be would be fun to have another Batman search mm-hmm. for a young dude. So very cool. Uh, I would I would throw out Ansel Elgort possibly. He's a mm. little he's a little skinny, but he's he got all the aspects I think a young Bruce Wayne would need. And he's basically the same height as the other guy, so you gotta you gotta match that kind of stuff up. So uh we'll see obviously. I mean if this movie does as reported go into production next year, like in the spring summer, then we're gonna have to get moving on this and if you know Reeves has his first act done, then he can finish his second and third act get casting and uh hopefully 
the end of this year, we'll start having a very clear picture of what the Batman will actually be. Yes. And we finally have some real details on the sequel to Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. including its title, which is Wonder Woman 1984, uh, which Patty, Patty Jenkins, the director of the first one and the sequel, she posted a photo this week on social media confirming that Chris Pine is back as Steve Trevor, uh, not a descendant of Steve Trevor, she just says, welcome back, Steve Trevor. So yep. I think this is very clearly the Steve we saw in the last movie. I mean, I guess you could we can mess with that a little bit. But then uh, Gal Gadot also shared a stunning first look at her return as well. Mm. Uh, there's just some great images coming out of Wonder Woman 2. Yes. I'm excited. You're excited. I mean, I'm stoked. Like beyond belief, actually. Um, first of all, if you didn't love Chris Pine already, you loved him after Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. um, like a million percent. So him coming back, I'll forgive anything. I don't care if it's a robot with, you know, Steve Trevor's consciousness implanted and okay. somehow that was separated from him by Ares. I don't care. I don't care at this point. I'm, I'm just happy he's here. He's he's rocking Nikes and a bomber jacket and matching pants. I'm like, this, this is perfect. But that Wonder Woman shot, of her in front of all those screens mm-hmm. um, with her sil- or her silhouette and her face in the reflection. Oh, I'm so here for that. I think it's the best shot ever in DC. And it's just one picture. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I-, I am so excited to see, you know, what a full Patty Jenkins creative Wonder Woman gets to be. Right. Especially in the 80s. Because, I mean, we're in the last, we're in the last vestiges of 80s nostalgia here. So I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I think both these photos are great. I still have some concerns over Pine's return as Steve Trevor, the guy we saw blow up in a plane in the first movie. Because <laughs> yes. whose plane we saw who, who, blow yes, up? Yes, I guess that's, in the, first that's movie. the clarification. Because the old movie saying is no, no body. Yeah, they're not dead. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's plenty of ways, I guess, they can get around it. They could eject him last second. I mean, they can explain however they they want. I guess but he I, hasn't I just, aged a day, so that's the interesting right, part. Right, which is, I mean, maybe I guess because I think a lot of people before this came out was like, oh well, if Chris Pine's back, he'll just play like his own grandson. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess that could still be the case. He could be Steve Trevor Jr. I guess like if, but then like, when did the original Steve Trevor have? A family, and right. if he did, why is he like googling I and Diana the whole time <laughs> right. and going to that hotel More than room? That. Yeah, um, exactly. So I, th- I think there are some questions I still have about this, but I have all the faith in the world in Patty Jenkins, so I don't think she would take the. Well, like, it's not the biggest emotional point in the movie because that's the no man's land scene, but mm-hmm. the second biggest point in Wonder Woman and kind of really knock it down a peg by just be like, oh nope, it, it didn't actually happen. So. Yeah, uh, I'm more you. of an a wait and see approach on this, but I'm all excited for Wonder Woman 1984, mm-hmm. as I am for Aquaman, which we we're recording this a little early, so I I won't be surprised if there's a trailer out by the time that this podcast actually goes live. Um, so we'll have to wait and discuss it next week. Buddy W debuted a bunch of new images from Aquaman, including plenty of looks at star Jason Momoa and Amber Heard as Mira. They also debuted the first looks at. Patrick Wilson's King Orm, who is the main villain of the movie, and Aquaman's half-brother, as well as Nicole Kidman playing Aquaman's mom, Queen Atlanta, and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as Black Manta. Awesome. These look terrific. They do. I'm so stoked. James Wan, um, 
has a win here. I don't know. I, 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 I'm a refrain from puns. I'm sorry, but the man, the, the this looks fantastic. I haven't seen a single ounce of the film, right? But the dude has style, and these look terrific. Um, Mara and Momoa look awesome. The the shot of the waves crashing against him there. They're mm-hmm. so blue. Yeah. I, I didn't know why it could be that. But <laughs> it's Especially just, in the DC universe. Exactly. I thought everything had to be a grizzled gray, you know, like, uh, never mind. Um, so it's, it's super awesome. And I, I mean, I, I just really can't wait for this. It looks like the, it just looks so stylish. Uh, and so, it, you know, it's two great days mm-hmm. of DC photos. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just here for the color. I don't know why. That's what I'm most excited about. I mean, yeah, it's nice to see just like some color. I mean, we're, I believe we're going to talk about Zack Snyder and his DC legacy and our big question this week. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, better or worse, I guess his color palette is very distinct. It's, it's blue, it's gray, it's black. It's not as bright and colorful, but Wonder Woman certainly up to color. Justice League tried to do that in post production, <laughs> right? Uh, to various degrees of success, and then but like Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman two, all look like they're going and then kind of really embracing the comic book nature of their source material, and I think that looks like it's going to pay off. I would have loved to see both Patrick Wilson and Yaya Abdul Mateen in the actual suits, like fully. Yeah. I wanted to see the helmets on, um, but we got to tease a black Manta's helmet. I wanted to see the full suit still. Those eyes. Um, but I mean, Queen Atlanta, I'm very interested to learn more about her character because there's a specific line in Justice League that points to, I think, something happening with her. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if it's a spoiler or anything because it's just speculation, but I'm pretty sure they heavily insinuate that she is dead. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, Probably. I mean, it's not. Yeah. I mean, I just assume so at this point. Yeah. But, but if I, you have, if she's there in the whole film, I'll, I'll be stoked. Yeah. So I, I think the only thing that really stuck out to me outside of the colors of these photos was that none of them are, none of them feature the underwater effects. As far as I can tell, they're oh, all, it's yeah, true. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, why not show like one? I mean, the EW cover has like a mirror underwater mm-hmm. and queen Atlanta and they're like, hairs are like all weird and stuff. But it's like, I wonder why that, if that choice was made like distinctively, like if they're like, no, we don't want to show any of that stuff yet for whatever reason. Right. But I would have liked to see maybe what, how Juan is shaping the underwater look of this as well because i've been i mean like i've seen tweets that say oh it's something special i Mm -hmm. I don't reddit threads take you know quotes take it for what it is um that it's something incredibly cool yeah like cooler than what we saw in justice league um so if that's true i would want that to be like the surprise of the trailer Mm -hmm. when we get to see this fully immersed moment of dialogue right under the sea you know Downward sweater. I'm not going to do an aerial <laughs> thing. Okay, Little Mermaid. But yeah, so I, uh, that's the one question that remains. Some yeah. of the people were making jokes about why is Momoa and Mara's hair like bone dry and like right. all those photos. And like, that's a very good point because it does look like <laughs> um, that shot of them look in a shipwreck. Yeah, they should With, be underwater. Yeah. Uh, um, 
their their hair is <laughs> totally dry. Which I know, like we'll in, I'm pretty sure for like Justice League and stuff, they would just basically like ponytail their hair and then they would just do CG hair. Ooh. So they could get the underwater effects because otherwise yeah. you can't, <laughs> can't right. get that naturally. <laughs> so uh, we'll have to see, obviously, how that plays out. I, I would expect the trailer to be online probably by the time this episode drops. Um, if not, I would, I definitely think we'll have one to talk about next week either way. So uh, we'll be on the lookout for that trailer. And we also got news from THR that Jeff Johns is writing Green Lantern Corps for WB. He is co-writer, he's a co-writer on Aquaman and also helped write Wonder Woman 2. So this makes the third script that he is involved in in the current in terms of the upcoming DC slate. He's run a lot of Green Lantern stuff in the past in terms of comic books. He's now stepped down as the head of DC Entertainment, focusing just on writing and producing uh, content, whether it's movies or TV. Do you think this is a good move for him to be the writer on Green Lantern? Or is this just more like good news? Because like, hey, this movie has a writer, which means maybe it'll actually happen soon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, two minds of this. He's the... He, I mean, I don't, I don't want to input a bunch of stuff on Jeff Johns because I don't know him extremely well, but it sounds like... Do you like, know him at all? No, I don't know him <laughs> at all. All I'm saying is I don't know about him. Okay. Oh, I don't know a lot about him. Yeah. But from what I've gleaned from, I mean, most articles, I never think I've read a profile on him before, but he's the... I've read lots of DC comics and I'm kind of gonna, here to spirit guide these mm-hmm. things. Um, so him stepping down is interesting. I don't know what that says for the directions of everything, but if he's truly the maestro of the previous DC films or one of them anyway, and him taking on accepting full responsibility for one of the most wonky or probably one of the hardest to write scripts, Mm -hmm. I would say one of the most, um, encompassing and grand adventures that you're probably going to have to do. I think that bodes well mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, he's passing over like um, responsibility to Jim Lee. Mm-hmm. So please. Yeah. I think this is a good idea, especially because green lanterns happening. And yeah. I want that. Jo- I want that young John Stewart grizzled old um, Hal Jordan on screen. I think that would be really cool mm-hmm. and great. So I'm here for it. Yeah. I think, I think it's a good fit because John's does have a lot of background writing these characters already in the comics. So he's obviously familiar with them. Um, oh, he writes comics too. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. See? So that's what he did before he was the head of DC entertainment. Even while he was still technically the head of DC, he would still write comics, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy. The, the workload this guy had before. So I think wow. taking a step down, I think it's going to be best for him. Cause he's now he's not in charge of like the executive decisions or anything. He's just a creator. And I think that's where Jeff John's really shine. And so I think him being involved in Aquaman script, Wonder Woman two script, Green Lantern Corps script, isn't a isn't a coincidence it's i think a very conscious move for them to get a prolific comic book writer involved and help kind of bring these worlds and characters to the big screen that he's done really well uh, already on the comic book form so i think it's great i think it's great that we actually have a writer for green lanterns finally after it was david goyer at one point i think yep. was writing it so i there's no mention of goyer in this th article so i would assume that he is John's is starting from scratch and he's I, I but they're still going to keep the young John Stewart and older Hal Jordan uh, character types for this movie but I want to see him start from scratch do his version and I think build this thing naturally because we've as we talked about before Green Lantern can be this big sweeping franchise and if you just give it time and love mm-hmm. and care and I think if 
with Jeff Johns attached, I think you can definitely do that. And so if he's yeah. writing the script, we can hopefully get a director in about a year or so and uh, finally get this thing moving. So very much looking forward to this, as well as The Flash, which THR reported that Ezra Miller's solo Flash movie is ditching the, quote, somber themes, unquote, it was going to tackle before and is now inspired by Back to the Future. So is this just for the tone as they're going to try to emulate Back to the Future's fun, lighthearted, coming-of-age tone? Or does this signify that they will be doing that but also still maintaining the time travel elements we've heard that they would tackle before with Flashpoint? I don't know because you could read that two ways. You could say, oh, it's going to be like Back to the Future where it's... But if you compare it to Back to the Future, you immediately invoke the idea of time travel. Yeah. So if you're going to compare it to Back to the Future... Every other time travel movie, like Luber, you throw that mm-hmm. out the window immediately because it doesn't make sense like, thematically wise, even as funny as that script is from Ryan Johnson. But if you're doing that, I mean, that's it's, it's a young kid who doesn't really get time travel, but he's going to learn about it through some pretty, t- he's going to have some tough lessons about it by his experience with it. Mm-hmm. And he's going to get himself caught up into something. Um, so maybe he time travels randomly first at one point, and then it's like, oh, we're in the 50s. And it's like, <laughs> that's too on the nose. <laughs> or it's like in the 80s, and you see him speed by Wonder Woman in 1984. I don't know. Um, but I, that's it's cool to see. It's interesting to see this is how it, come, it came about. Yeah. Because Robert Zemeckis was once mm-hmm. like, he's going to do the movie. And we're like, that's really cool. Yeah. Who else should do time travel? That's Yeah, it's his thing. So I'm here for it. I don't know. It could mean a lot of things, but I would expect it to mean lighthearted time travel. Oh no, oops, I did it again. Right. Type of an attitude. <laughs> but uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, I, th- I think this is a good move. I mean, we've talked about before that when Daly and Goldstein were hired, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I think they're a good fit if they're not doing Flashpoint because that is a darker, heavier story to yeah. tackle. Right out the gate, I think it'd be better to establish Flash in a solo franchise as the young kid on the block that is having fun, learning about his powers. Like yes. in Justice League, he still hasn't been a hero very long. And so like mm-hmm. the fact that he can like Superman can turn his head, I think, as fast as Flash can run shows that Flash hasn't fully realized how fast he can actually go. Right. So I think I think this is a good move. Um, we've heard before from THR's Boris Kit, who wrote the story that uh, the movie would not be titled Flashpoint, but he also said that that doesn't necessarily mean they're ditching the Flashpoint storyline. Mm-hmm. They would just be to do, have a, a different title, I guess. So I think this indicates that that is definitely the case, where it'll be called The Flash or it'll be called something, but it'll still tackle a flashpoint-esque story with time travel right i don't know if it has to do about saving his mom because i still feel like that's super soon because we don't know this barry allen well enough to Mm -hmm. be like oh so this is the driving force behind him and everything so to tell his origin the backstory about his mother and then be like okay well now i'm gonna go save her oh i messed with the future that's a lot to tackle in one movie right but if there is some sort of time travel element um cool i hope this more just so means that it's like a great coming of age style movie i mean remember these two wrote spider-man homecoming Mm -hmm. yep so we know they can know how to tackle that exactly so maybe if it's like oh he learns about time travel here and then it's like i have an idea end of movie what if then he screws up the world in the next film and then flashpoint in the third what if the time travel element is reversed where it's somebody coming from the the future future, or i guess the past to barry allen so you could do like uh, 
I don't know, any of the variety of speedsters he has to mm-hmm. go up against and do like Jay Garrick coming from like the 50s or 60s to be like, Barry Allen, I need your help. Yeah. Or I'm here to help you stop. And you're like, he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And that's how he gets introduced to time travel and all this stuff. I think that'd be really fun. For sure. Um, and then the last bit of news we got to talk about this week is from a report from Variety where they shared that Ewan McGregor will star as the older Danny Torrance in Warner Brothers' Dr. Sleep, which is a sequel to The Shining. Stephen King apparently gave his sign of approval on the casting of McGregor as an older Danny. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be a, like, there's obviously a sequel to The Shining in terms of the story will follow it, but I don't know if it's technically a sequel to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining because um, I know that I haven't read The Shining book, but I know that Stanley Kubrick's movie is different than The Shining book. Have you read The Shining? I have not read okay. The Shining. All I, but know I've is, heard all I know is Stephen King hates he, the movie adaptation. He characterizes it like this. He says that Kubrick's version is much more fire and his is more ice. Okay. It's a, it, his stews longer. It's a l- slow burn of mm-hmm. insanity. Yeah. Turn of insanity for the guy. Um, for Jack Nicholson is mm-hmm. like more evil in this one, I guess. Okay. It's, he's just he's evil at the start versus just slowly becoming it. Okay. That's how I've heard him characterize it. I should read it. I'm busy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I'm I'm down for this. I like the Shining movie well enough. I mean, I didn't think it was terrible. I mean, it's still probably it and Stand by Me are still probably the best king films out there but it's ian mcgregor i'm a thousand percent there for this um i, I, I love to do everything mm-hmm. so, except transpotting i just i just can't get into those okay but other than that uh, i'm i'm a hundred percent here for it and flanagan's the yep. director um he did gerald's game for netflix mm-hmm. which is another king film so maybe yep. that's how it got off the ground so mm-hmm. fast and I'm sure Steven's looking to, you know, change the change the perspective of The Shining, maybe. I don't know. He's eager. It sounds like I kind of felt like he's like eager to get rid of it somehow. I think uh, at least sequel. in the report from Variety, they were saying that like after the success of It, any studio who has Stephen King property is fast-tracking it. So that's why like oh, okay. a, a Pet Cemetery remake is on the way that's with Jason right. Clark. Um this is coming like there's like there's several others that are in the works that just because people want to get on that Stephen King love before it potentially like dies out. Um, and I think I think this is a cool move for you and McGregor. I mean, it's not Obi-Wan, but mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, is this a Warner I mean, Brothers film? Yeah. Oh, OK. There you go. So this will I don't I mean, uh, this will take up his time over the next year or so um, as they get shooting and filming and promoting and everything. So uh, yeah. there's still time for Obi-Wan fine um but i i like i I can see i don't know much about the dr sleep story but i know it focuses on the older danny obviously so uh, i can see him playing an older version of this kid who grew up in this traumatic situation and now he's maybe back at the overlook hotel or whatever and i don't know what exactly the story is but yeah (laughs) i'm interested to find out whenever this movie does come out so uh that is all we have for the news this week so short episode um we'll be back next week with a review of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. The sequel to the my the Jurassic World the movie I appreciated a ton. <laughs> I love to this day a lot. Um 
I'll think I'm going to write the review will be. of it. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I haven't read anything about it. I've put spoilers up. I want to go in with my own. Um, you put spoiler shields up. Yes. Not you didn't put spoilers out there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm <laughs> tweeting them in my account, you know, swerve folks. No, uh, I'm interested to see where it's going. I've heard, I've seen two headlines of it uh, before I got those spoiler shields up. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I'm interested. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited as a kid, <laughs> you seem conflicted but as like this. a fan of film, I'm kind of like, we'll see. Okay. Cause the trailers, the marketing has been all over the place. Yeah, it has. Um, yeah, I, I'm not totally, I'm not super excited about this. You really? Like really Jurassic at all. World. I, I, I like, you I like, I like Jurassic World. It. Yes, okay. exactly. Um, I'll probably rewatch it at some point before in the next week or so before the movie comes out. So we'll see if it maybe improves on a sec on another viewing or if it, goes down or whatever you only seen it once no I, I, I don't know why i said second i've seen okay. it i've seen it at least twice so um yeah i mean we'll see uh, the big selling point for me i think is jay bayona i want to see what he can do yes and i mean i've seen good praise for him i've seen mixed praise i've seen i've seen him all over the place so uh, i want i want to see what he can do on this bigger scale and see if he can kind of give this jurassic franchise i think the boost it could desperately need as we head into a third installment um so we'll see we'll see how it leaves off we can talk about it all next week in spoilers and we'll also be back this week with a big question discussing Zack snyder and his dc legacy um if you guys enjoyed this episode though please subscribe should retweet it more plus head to itunes and give us a five star view with comments telling us why you enjoy listening to the show if you do that uh, we currently are doing a giveaway i don't know if it'll be over or not by the time this episode goes up mm-hmm. but if you give us a review screenshot it sh- tweet it to us you may be eligible to win a digital copy of red sparrow um, so go enter that if you haven't already and then be sure to tell us your thoughts everything covered as well by tweeting us at friends of film and you can follow me personally on twitter at movie cooper and coops underscore hoops and you can get at me josh or just joshua ryan thanks again for tuning in to the friends of a podcast josh would like to apologize to dennis rodman he knows why <laughs> be sure to turn next week for our view of jurassic world fallen kingdom <laughs>